Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy hump day, everyone. J.C. Sherbert here with you inside the Gamecocks podcast. Good to be chatting at you again today. We'll start off today's episode by saying I was completely wrong about something yesterday. I apologize. I feel like a complete moron. <laughs> I misread the baseball schedule, uh, and I was talking to Whittle about this because I, you know, I, I thought the Gamecocks were playing the Citadel last night, um, and so I, I even got on the BigSpur.com to check out the game thread when I was out and about about 40 minutes after uh, first pitch was supposed to happen. And lo and behold, the game is tonight. And I think I said it about five times during the podcast. So I apologize for that. Gamecock baseball tonight. <laughs> you can follow along on ESPN plus first pitch is at six from Joe Riley park uh, in Charleston uh, Gamecocks and Citadel. And then of course the road trip out to Austin, Texas this weekend. Um, you know, pretty big Gamecocks, 10-0 and off to a really good start. A lot of the SEC is off to a big start. Uh, I think they have the entire top five. <laughs> and the Gamecocks play all of them. I mean, you know, you got Texas and then you got Vandy and then you got Florida. They're both in the top five. So uh, it's going to be a challenge here for this team. But I, I think they're up to it. I think, you know, South Carolina's got the pitching uh, to make it happen. I uh, I think that series with Mercer, the bats went a little quiet and, I'm sure people are concerned a little bit about that, but sometimes that happens. Uh, and I, trust me, you're going to see really good pitching uh, in the Southeastern Conference this year uh, and with the teams the Gamecocks have to play. So here we go. Uh, that's that there. But I apologize for that. I mean, I I, I guess I uh, – and I was talking to Whittle about it and because uh, I was like, man, he called last night to talk about some things. And I was like, man, I feel like a, an idiot. And he was like, well – 90%, 95% of the midweek games this year are on Tuesday. So it's not it's not like you were completely out to lunch. But I had the schedule sitting in front of me. I guess I forgot what date it was or whatever. So Gamecocks uh, going down to play uh, El Cid at Joe Raleigh Park. It's usually a pretty, uh, like I said yesterday, it's usually a pretty competitive game with these midweek games with Citadel. You know, they're not off to the great start like Carolina is. Uh, but yeah, probably a pretty, like a four to two game is what we usually see. Uh, in some of these midweek games. And then it's off to Austin, and, boy, that's uh, that's going to be a competitive series out there against the Texas Longhorns, who are in the top 20 uh, on the road. Uh, and then SEC play starts. So, you, you know, there's no rest for the weary uh, when it comes to the Gamecock baseball team and all that. Uh, I want to talk a little more about basketball. The Gamecocks do open SEC tournament play uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I think they're the final game Thursday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, Ole Miss uh, is the team. Uh, Gamecocks have uh, played Ole Miss a lot over the years because they used to do the tournament like a, with a cross-division format, and so the Gamecocks used to draw Ole Miss quite a bit. Um, and uh, Carolina is 5-4. and four. Uh, in the tournament against the Rebels. Um, you know, they beat the Gamecocks pretty good uh, in Columbia earlier this year. Uh, Ole Miss leads the overall series 22-20. to 20. Uh, Gamecocks 6-4 to four neutral sites. Ole Miss won 81-74 in Columbia February 13th. 
So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I just don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of faith uh, with this team advancing or, or whatever, but uh, and Ole Miss pretty good. They're 15 and 10. They got in all 18 of their SEC games this year and finished with a winning conference record. Um, so I, I would imagine if we don't have a whole lot of, uh, I mean, I, I would imagine that, you know, they're, are they playing the NIT this year? Or do they cancel it? I don't know. Uh, but I'd imagine if there is an NIT, they're, they're looking there. Kermit Davis is an excellent coach. Um, Devontae Shuler, who is a uh, native of Columbia, plays for them and had 31 uh, against Carolina uh, in that loss at uh, Colonial Life Arena earlier earlier this year. A.J. Lawson named second team All-SEC. His numbers are up this year. I still think that sometimes, you know, I think if he was more consistent, he'd probably be first team. But uh, consistency is a key, you know. And, and, and look, we don't know what's going to happen with Frank Martin. Um, we all have our contacts. I can tell you that my contacts are, you know, less confident that he'll be back than, than maybe they were a while back. Uh, the, the, and I can tell you some facts about the situation. The facts are there has to be a decision made, and everybody, including Ray Tanner, knows that. Um, don't think, you know, I, I've heard some accusations because Ray went on 107.5 and gave an interview where he said, you got to look under the hood. You can't just talk about the record, but po- getting the postseason is important. Uh, and I can, I can tell you that no athletic director that's not a clown, you know, no athletic director that anybody wants to work for uh, is going to sit there and say anything other than what Ray said, you know, and, and I think that, good leaders are fair. And I think that's a perfectly fair way to describe it and to describe the situation. I think that uh, there was no, you know, projecting on Ray's part. There was no, oh, let's go make excuses as to why we may bring the guy back. It was an honest assessment. You know, you need to look under the hood. You need to kind of, you know, look at more, you know, what exactly has been happening, you know, with this program and with Frank Martin. Uh, and I can tell you that, that there's nothing that's been decided either way, you know. So, so there's no like, ah, oh, well, we're going to bring him back. And, and, you know, everybody, if they bring him back, I can assure you it's not because of number one money uh, or number two that, you know, they're just trying to kick the can down the road, uh, laziness or whatever. Uh, if they don't, if they bring Frank Martin back, it's because they're convinced, uh, Ray Tanner, Bob Caslin, that, um, you know, he, he's the answer and can turn it around. And you guys may not agree with that if that's the decision that's made, but that's what they get paid for, you know, and Ray Tanner specifically. So, you know, that's what you got to say, you know, and I'll say this too. If you remember when Will Muschamp kind of went south in 2019, it wasn't like this. There were statements of support uh, from Tanner, even though there were mixed messages from Caslin. Um, you know, Will Muschamp is our coach, and I anticipate him being our coach moving forward. Uh, if you remember that, that that's you know that's a little bit different than an ambiguous interview that says we'll just have to wait and see. So for those of you that consistently want for Ray Tanner to just come out and throw everybody under the bus, that's not going to happen. He didn't do that with his players. He doesn't do that with his coaches. That's just not him. And quite frankly, any athletic director that's good isn't going to do that. And if you remember Eric Hyman, uh, you know, those of you that, that think Eric Hyman was th- this great AD compared to Ray and, and look, 
maybe he did have a better tenure, uh, you know, because he was there during a time of, number one, winning, you know, number two, a, a large expansion of the facilities. You know, this is not anything wrong with Aaron Hyman, but remember how he handled things. Um, you know, he didn't come out with before he fired Darren Horn and say, you know, anything but, well, we'll just have to evaluate it after the season and see what's going on, you know. And that was in a non-COVID year. Um, you know, Eric Hyman, remember with Dave Odom, war chest of credibility and all that good stuff. So, look, man, you know, I, I don't know what some of the folks out there that, you know, want Ray to come out with fire and brimstone on a, on a local radio show expect. But I can tell you the reality is not that South Carolina uh, is just deciding that they're going to stick with Frank Martin. And I can tell you this, too, it's just not decided that Frank Martin is going to stick with South Carolina. You know, there's a lot at play, a lot of, that's up in the air with the situation, you know. And so, you know, some of you that are, you know want to pitchfork it out, you know, no coach, no athletic director before the season's complete uh, is going to do that unless things get really bad. And in basketball, you don't see early firings, you know. You did see Dave Odom res- uh, announce he was going to retire at the end of the year. But, but you don't you don't see as many midseason deals as you do in football, uh, especially these days with early signing and all that. So anyway, that's the that's the part that's the Ray part and the public part. And there's another part to it, and that's the, the program. Uh, you know, what way do you go if a change is made? If a change is not made, I mean, what what's the future hold here? And um, you know, I, I would anticipate you know a lot of turnover with the players either way. Uh, after this year, I, I don't know that this group is going to return intact. Um, I think whoever the coach is next year is probably going to have to hit the transfer portal. You know, the portal works uh, in basketball just like it works in football. I mean, you know, you can go get guys, um, come up a level, you know, pretty good players. Texas Tech is masterful at doing this. Chris Beard, by the way, um, really good coach. <laughs> That would be a guy if he were sitting out at Arkansas Little Rock still that you'd probably want to go get if you're the Gamecocks. So you need to find the next Chris Beard or the next Greg Marshall in terms of winning and losing, you know, the next Billy Donovan who came from Marshall. Um, But I started noticing it and uh, a poster on our message board, VB Cock of all people, you guys that are on message boards know him and love him. He's been around for years since before I was in the business, but, but he pointed out the other day and it's interesting because I sketched it out. The SEC, if you look at the coaches in the league, uh, you know, for a while it was, you know, you go get mid majors and they come up and and, and take over your program and you, you kind of roll the dice. And obviously you got Nate Oates at Alabama who was outstanding at Buffalo. Who's got them rolling right now. You know, Kermit Davis, I mentioned him at Ole Miss. He came from middle Tennessee, but you know, Kermit Davis won 28 games at Middle Tennessee, which is not easy to do. And I think they upset somebody. But you look at the rest of them, or most of the rest of them. You know, Eric Musselman, there's a guy with NBA experience. Bruce Pearl won big at Tennessee. Buzz Williams won big at Virginia Tech. Uh, I mentioned Kermit Davis. Ben Howland took UCLA to the Final Four and had Pitt in the top five. Rick Barnes took Texas to the Final Four, won at Clemson, won at Providence. Uh, Mike White's a mid-major guy, came from Louisiana Tech where he did a good job. I think he's done a good job at Florida. John Calipari, 
you know, no reason to uh, even go into that. We all know who he is. Jerry Stackhouse is at Vanderbilt, uh, NBA guy. Um, Tom Crean, you know, took Marquette to the Final Four, coasted Indiana. Quanzo Martin was at Tennessee, won pretty good there, went to Cal, won some there, came home and took Missouri. Then there's Frank Martin, who was at Kansas State. So it's not, you know, necessarily – whereas if you look at football, you know, there's a lot of guys that they sort of hired, you know, in football, not a lot of sitting power fives. You know, Jimbo Fisher comes to mind. Uh, Dan Mullen, who went from Mississippi State to Florida, comes to mind. You know, Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron obviously had previous experience, but they were not, you know, working at the Power Five level when they were hired to their respective jobs. Nick Saban was in the pros. You know, Kirby Smart was an assistant. Uh, Shane Beamer was an assistant. Mike Stoops, Mark Stoops was an assistant. Uh, Clark Lee at Vandy, an assistant. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz had one year of coaching experience, head coaching experience at App State. Um, so football, you know, th- there's a lot of guys kind of getting their shot. Uh, and basketball used to be that way, but not anymore. Uh, you look at these hires and, you know, Buzz Williams, who I consider, you know, to be an outstanding coach, just looking at his track record, they finished 12th in the league this year. And, you know, you, you have to understand they're not – Texas A&M not going to be down – for very long under him. You know, Eric Musselman was consistently good at Nevada, and he's got Arkansas back. You know, we've all been waiting for Arkansas to come back since Nolan Richardson left. Uh, I think they're back. Nate Oates not going anywhere. Bruce Pearl, you know, they had the year. They served their time this year. They'll be back, believe me. I mentioned Kermit Davis. Ben Howland, they're always going to be tough. Rick Barnes is, is building a monster at Tennessee. You know, Mike White in Florida can always recruit. Calipari. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Tom Crean at Georgia, but when he's not playing South Carolina, they've been pretty good. Can't seem to solve the South Carolina thing. Uh, and then Quanzo Martin has Missouri. I mean, so so none of these guys are like chopped liver. So, you know, you go get a mid-major guy and promote it, you're throwing him into the fire with some of the coaching matchups that you have to you have to go up against. I'm not saying it can't be done. Uh, look at Nate Oates. But you got to make sure you hit if you go the mid-major route. Uh, and so I, I think it's safe to say the SEC's never been tougher, uh, top to bottom. You know, as far as the coaching talent in this league, uh, I think a lot of the schools are, recruit pretty doggone well. Oh, I didn't even mention Will Wade at LSU, but you know, you guys know how I feel about that situation. But Will Wade, you know, if you take away the uh, obvious uh, admitting to whatever he admitted to, you know, on that phone call. He's recruited really well at LSU. They're in the top four in the league again, probably going back to the tournament. Uh, really good basketball coach. So, and and he was a mid-major guy, but he, of course, he came from VCU and, you know, VCU is a lot like Butler or Xavier, you know, those type schools where, you know, if, if you get a coach from VCU, you're probably going to be pretty good. You know, even Shaka Smart's got Texas going well. Uh, Anthony Grant is at Dayton doing well, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, you just look at the league, and it's it, it's not getting any easier. So you have to have you have to have um, you have to have somebody that can coach and, and recruit. Uh, you know, and and I think again on the recruiting end of it, I think Frank Martin, you know, has been very resourceful. Uh, I don't believe for a minute that it's you know a lack of talent. Uh, I think this team 
You know, teams that don't have talent, you know, like last year, they went to Virginia and won. You know, they don't go – teams that don't have talent don't do that. They don't beat Kentucky, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, it's – uh you know, if you don't have talent, you know, you, you probably could lose to Stetson at home, but you're not going to be competitive against some of the big boys, and South Carolina is. Um, I think this is this is a team with a good coach and good players that has just stunk as a team, and that happens sometimes. You know, whereas, you know, in football, I, I sort of felt like, you know, the last two years that there were some coaching things that happened that, you know, not necessarily in terms of personnel, and I'm not rehashing the quarterback situation because I don't think that had anything to do with Carolina going two and eight last year. But, you know, you look out there and you're like, well, Izzy McQuamu and, and, and you know, they talk about J.C. Horn is going to be a first-rounder. Izzy McQuamu apparently, you know, some think he can play pro football. I can tell you a source at Florida State told me Jamie Robinson's probably their best defensive player right now. Um, even before they've started spring practice, they're thoroughly impressed with him. Uh, you have all those guys in the secondary, yet, you know, you're just giving up yardage and points and droves, you know. So that, that they're, they're, you know, that's that's a team that you look at and you're like, they're not very well coached you know, on a consistent basis, um, you know. And there's different pieces of that. There's, you know, I thought Mike Bobo did a good job play calling, um, you know, but fundamentally were, you know, did, did you have situations where sometimes the offensive line, you know, fundamentally wasn't good? Yeah. Um, you know, defensively, I don't know what was going on on that side of the ball. Uh, I know they kind of got gutted toward the end, but, uh, you know, personnel-wise. But, uh, you know, with that, you don't look at it and go, good coach, good players, bad team, because I, I, don't, I don't know that there was – I think toward the end there was some selfishness that took place, but I don't know that those guys weren't out there trying and playing hard. And you know, unlike basketball, where you know it just wasn't wasn't happening. But I, I still maintain the football team had talent. I mean, you don't go beat Auburn if you don't have talent. You don't beat Georgia the year before if you don't have talent. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, and I think I think this year under Shane Beamer, you're going to see some of these guys can play football. You know, individually. Uh, and we'll talk about football here in a second. But, you know, basketball, I think the same way. I think, you know, these guys are, are good players. You know, they just are woefully inconsistent. Um, and, and I think that that's been sort of a mini trend since this group came on campus because if you think about it, you know, inexplicable losses like that are a sign of inconsistency. You know, getting momentum and then blowing it is a sign of inconsistency. Um, you know, showing up one day, not showing up there, that, that's inconsistency. And so, you know, this group's been that way. And, you know, I, I don't know who you blame. Do you blame Frank? Do you blame the players? I, I think everybody's sort of at fault uh, for the consistency issue. So, um, so that's that. SEC's not getting any better. So, so what do you do? You know, wh- where do you go from here? Um, and, and look, I, I think that there are some things about this job that are brutal. Um, I don't think it's the same job that Eddie Fogler and Dave Odom took where, you know, when Fogler took it over, you're, you're what? It was 93, you know, you're, you're 19 years removed from being a powerhouse. That's not all that long. Uh, and you're only three, four years, two, you're only two years into your new league, which was, you know, 
kind of wide open, you know, and he had Kentucky and sort of everybody else at the time. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and quite frankly, when the Coliseum was built, you got had a lot of fans that got behind the program. And uh, I think there are just as many fans as there were then that there is now. It's just a bigger arena, and so it looks half empty instead of three-fourths. You know, you get a crowd of 8,000 in the Coliseum. You know, that was 70% full. Uh, you know, at, at the Colonial Life Arena, that's less than half. Um, but the Coliseum was a tough place to play, and you had you still had that tradition coming off. You know, Dave Odom took over a program that was, you know, three years removed from winning the SEC, uh, to you know, a couple years removed from back-to-back high seeds in the NCAA tournament, uh, and they're building a new fantastic arena. You know, so he took over a program that kind of, you know, you look at it, you're on the upswing. You know, Darren Horn um, was a hire that was made on the cheap at the time. I think that's kind of when the down, you know, Odom staying too long, Horn being hired, that's when the downfall started. Uh, Obviously, the last three years of his tenure, they got worse and worse. And then then Frank comes in, you know, and, and at the time, again, I've said it before, you're going through a time where baseball, football, and women's basketball all are on the upswing. Uh, so you have a whole swath of 10 years, like students, alumni, fans that, you know, men's basketball was fourth, you know, fourth out of four. Um, and, and so I, I think that, that that's part of the, the brutal job. It, it's not necessarily that you guys that have a passion for Carolina basketball are bad fans and that Carolina fans just don't care or don't want to show up. It's that, you know, there, there's been other, you know, I mean, Carolina fans will show up if you win. I mean, look at the final, look at the NCAA tournament run. You know, I know that, you know, it's expected that there's a lot of Gamecocks in Greenville, but, you know, then you go to the most expensive city to go to in the country, in New York for three days, and, and Madison Square Garden looked uh, like, you know, Gamecock home game or at least a neutral side game, and then, uh, you roll down across the country to Phoenix where the final four is even one thing if the final four was in Atlanta or Indianapolis, you know, someplace, but it, that's not driving distance. You got to get on an airplane to go to Phoenix and um, Gamecocks did it. You know, Gamecock fans showed up. You know, I was there. Uh, Carolina showed up as good as anybody, you know, I, I think, you know, so it's not that the fan support isn't there. It's just got to be maximized and tapped into. And, and that comes with winning. You know, that comes with winning and uh, playing an exciting uh, – and I say exciting brand of basketball. I think, I think, you know, people talk about the brand of basketball Frank plays. Gamecocks go up and down the court and shoot it and all that. It's more exciting when they make the shots, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting out there, getting after it, winning games, that's it. Uh, I think the success of the women's program um, can either be positive or negative. Because uh, I think with this, as far as men go, and, and hear me out on this, because I know some of you are screaming at your, your oh, you know, if the women can do it, the men can do it. But but I, I think sometimes that takes the, the massive success they've had, you know, creates an unfair comparison because women's basketball is not the same as men's basketball as a sport overall. Uh, Dawn Staley is a name that's synonymous with her sport you know, similar to a Michael Jordan, you know, if you talk about women's basketball. Um, it's a different fan base, you know, the, the, the people that go to the women's basketball games aren't necessarily interested in the men's basketball games or the baseball games or the football games. 
some of them do don't get me wrong i mean you know but uh and and look their ticket let's face it their tickets are cheaper and and you know so you talk about the columbia entertainment dollar you can go to a women's game probably watch the gamecocks win and play a great brand of basketball uh you know with the women and and you're there in front of a packed house and it rocks and rolls not this year obviously but in, in previous years uh but i also think it works positively because you look at this uh you know look at what they've done and you're like well south carolina could do the same thing um you know, if you can do that and you just have to have the right person. So I think that's kind of a neutral thing. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, this school has, has become more of a football baseball school, you know, over the years. But when I grew up and when a lot of you grew up and I'm 44 years old, it, it was still a basketball school. I mean, still South Carolina basketball. Um, it's not like certain places where, you know, nobody cares like I said, and then that's because of the roots of, you know, Frank McGuire and when they were really good. And, you know, like I said, people care about the sport. Um, It's just kind of been, you know, 30 years in the SEC now, and he hadn't really made a move in the conference, but every now and then, uh, and Frank did kind of solve that for a little while, Uh, you know, limited postseason success because March Madness is what it's all about. And then other sports are much better. Uh, including football, you know, I mean, that they've, they've had more success, uh, probably not the last five years, but uh, when you talk about, you know, consistently being in bowl games and, and things like that, the football program, while the basketball program kind of went south under Odom and Horn and then the first two years of Frank building it back, you know, the, they've been more successful. You know, Steve Spurrier was there. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe not now, it's more of a challenge. Uh, and like I said, it's not the job Odom or Horn took. I think it's probably like the job Frank took. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, – or, or Fogler took. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not the job Fogler took, Horn, Odom took, Horn took. More probably like the job Frank took. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. Um, I, I think that uh, when, when you consider what's holding the program back, you know, th- those are just kind of the, the brutal things that, you know, you got to get more fan support. You, you got to compete with women's basketball and, and other sports for the Columbia Entertainment dollar. So, you know, that that's the main thing is that whoever coaches next year, and, and if it's Frank, I'll be honest, it'll be a challenge because I know some of you are done. But, you know, the best thing to do is to, you know, buy a ticket, show up. Uh, I still continue to maintain that, you know, they need to kind of reconfigure the seating at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, you know, I don't know what happened to the Garnet Army many years ago, but that's one of the few things Darren Horn did that worked well. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that facilities, you know, are an issue, but not, you know, it, it's not something that's necessarily the end-all, be-all of holding the program back. And when I say facilities, too, I'll include the shoe deal. Uh, since that's been a big topic with Under Armour, you know, it, it's hard to sit there and say having Under Armour is the issue and, and having Nike would solve everybody's problems with Carolina basketball. Because if you remember correctly, for a long time, Carolina basketball was Nike under Odom. Um, they switched to Under Armour when football did. If Under Armour were holding people back, Seton Hall would never make the tournament. Texas Tech wouldn't have made the championship game. Auburn would not have made the Final Four. 
Uh, and those guys are different coaches, you know, and, 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 you know, quite frankly, South Carolina wouldn't have made the final four, you know, people, people forget that. Uh, as far as practice facilities, things like that, I think that at some point, you know, uh, South Carolina as an institution has to say, all right, we need to build a basketball ops building for our two teams, uh, similar and it's probably not going to be not going to cost as much as football but a similar kind of deal uh you know the the coliseum you know what they've done with the coliseum is fine uh it, it's worked but uh, i think at some point when you look at what other schools have done facilities wise for basketball you know south Carolina's not quite there uh and it was sort of one of those master plan things um that kind of deal and it's never got done and you know Honestly, I I don't blame them for putting the football building before it because, you know, basketball's got their stuff um, and got their their facility and it's still kind of convenient right there. Football's issue mainly was a convenience thing because you you practice and work out and do all this other stuff, 20 million different places. You know, that could be mind boggling. And, And that was that was an issue that has needed to be solved for Carolina football for years. Uh, but I do think, you know, facilities are, are part of it. Uh, and then in-state recruiting, uh, you know, and, and I don't – I continue to maintain. I don't think it's all Frank. Uh, and I continue to maintain. If, if you can show me a guy that can come into South Carolina uh, and get players out of the state and good ones that go elsewhere, um, I think that, uh, you know, I think you sign that guy up. Because that's just something that's not happening, and and so then here here's what the myths are about the job, and and I read this today, and this has been people have talked about this a lot, and it's one of those excuses that I don't buy. It's kind of like the small state excuse uh, for Carolina football. Oh, we're in a small state, got to share it with Clemson. Well, the population of South Carolina is not that much less than the population of Alabama. Those two schools are always good, you know. You have, and they're in the same conference in the same division. You know, I mean, you're telling me that, you know, high school football in Alabama is that much better than South Carolina. I agree they put out more players or they have more known players. Uh, And I think, too, that in Alabama, having Troy and South Alabama and UAB at the FBS level, you know, helps that number swell. You know, I think having Coastal at FBS level will help the the South Carolina FBS numbers swell. I I think Alabama is more heavily recruited. Uh, than the state of South Carolina. But, you know, the, the small state thing's not holding anybody back. You know, obviously the schools like LSU and Georgia and Ohio State and Texas A&M and Texas and, and those schools that are located in massive talent states and they're the flagship or close to it. Yeah, that's an advantage. Georgia's got an advantage. Uh, LSU's got an advantage. But look, man. Clemson wouldn't be winning national championships if the state being small was an issue. Uh, And I know they go out of state for players and all that good stuff. And uh, they've recruited well, but you know, they didn't necessarily build it doing that. They had their share of good out of state players. Some of them were three-star guys uh, on that first national championship team. Uh, And they had a great quarterback and, and all that. Their, Their team came together. Um, and so I think the being in the ACC footprint excuse uh, is the same thing. You know, it's like, you know, I don't think being in the, you know, near the ACC has much to do uh, with anything outside of, 
you know, when you have a guy like Seventh Woods that goes North Carolina because that's his dream, or Ray, Raymond Felton or Jalick Felton as well, they go to North Carolina because that's their dream. Bryce Johnson gets a late offer from North Carolina, goes to UNC because that's his dream. I mean, obviously, in the Carolinas, North Carolina basketball is going to play, but it's not like they come in and and sign everybody, you know. And and let's look at this, South Carolina. Uh, if you look right past the Final Four. You know, they're losing players to SEC teams, not ACC. You know, I know Wake's come in and snuck some guys out. I don't know how serious Carolina was on some of those guys. Uh, for whatever reason, Bryce McGowan's in this class is going to Nebraska. But uh, Fred Hoiberg, obviously, pretty good recruiter. Um, but, look, you lose Zion to Duke, that's fine. The opposite end of that spectrum is you lost John Morant to Murray State for whatever reason. Uh, and it's not like South Carolina didn't try. I don't know what happened there. Kid from Sumter uh, chooses to go to Murray, Kentucky instead of Carolina. Um, but look, these four guys, Aaron Naismith, Vanderbilt, you know, DJ Burns, who I know uh, hasn't played or last I checked, went to Tennessee. Josiah James went to Tennessee. Rick Barnes got two players out of the state. Jawar Gary went to Bama or signed with Bama. All of those are highly rated guys that you're losing to SEC schools. You know, the kid Christian uh, Brown who went to Georgia, you know, signed with Georgia or signed with Bama and then went to Georgia, something like that. He ended up at Clemson. But, you know, the ACC really isn't what's killing South Carolina right now. It's losing players to everywhere else from within the state. And that that's tough. That, that's tough. I mean, you know. And uh, there are guys from South Carolina that end up going to, you know, a prep school or something like that and, and then transferring back or, or whatever. You know, sometimes you do lose track of those in-state guys. But, you know, I mean, and I didn't mention Devontae Shuler from Ole Miss. Didn't even write him down. So then there's another one. Um, going, going back to Murphy Holloway, you know, they got – Ole Miss got players out of the state. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just uh, – and basketball is different than football. I mean, you know, you're it's not as geographically oriented, but uh, you know, that's a that's a long list of guys and and several guys that are in the NBA right now. Um, that Carolina could have used. I mean, and and again, when they have at least some elite in-state talent on the roster, they tend to do pretty well. That's just kind of how it is. So, um, if you can solve that. That's a great deal, you know, and, and it's not necessarily, like I said, the, the myth of the ACC footprint. Um, they're not losing players that, you know, they're, you know, you lose a Zion Williamson, somebody that, that's, that's sort of tough. You know, when you have the basketball tradition, South Carolina does to expect to go get that guy who, you know, obviously is a lottery pick who everybody's going on and on about. Um, that's tough. You know, and Clemson and South Carolina both gave that a run. You know, they really did. Frank Martin, Brad Burnell, and Brad Burnell's former assistant need to be uh, commended for that. But, you know, he was probably always going to Duke, and, and he did. So, you know, that's Raymond Felton going to North Carolina, that kind of thing. That's that's going to happen unless you just build a monster. Um, But, you know, that's – uh that's not really what the problem is. It's losing this Naismith kid to Vandy and the James kid to Tennessee and uh, the, the Shuler kid to Ole Miss. I mean, you know, those three guys right there, that'd be pretty good. Um, Gary to Bama. I mean, that, that sight unseen, by the way, on that one. And so I, 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 
I think that if you can find somebody to solve that problem, great. I don't know that you can, but that's kind of what's holding this program back. Um, when you talk about the program is that it's, it, it's not like, you know, like you look at the women's program and they get players from all over now, but that first team, you know, uh, a lot of those were local players, you know, a lot of those Asia Wilson, the number one, guy right there in Columbia. Um, you know, you sort of look back through the years, uh, Columbia as a, as a metro area does put out a lot of talent in the sport of basketball. Uh, and, and so you're kind of in a hotbed, you know, and, and so you don't get those guys that kind of stinks. But, uh, you know, that, that's, the, that's, that's what's holding the, the program back. And, and it's, it's a little bit concerning that South Carolina is where South Carolina's at right now given what's happening throughout the rest of the SEC, the coaches that are in it, um, you know, the upswings of some of these programs. I mean, even going down to, to Texas A&M, like I said, yeah, they were 12th this year. Gamecocks beat them by 24 points. That's not going to last. Buzz Williams is too good of a coach, and A&M has too much talent in the state of Texas uh, and surrounding areas to, um, to stay down for long. They're going to be back. And so, you know, you kind of look at it like that. It's uh, it's it's a brutal time uh, in the SEC uh, in in men's basketball. It hadn't always been this way, uh, but it's it's top to bottom. This league is a a bloodbath with all the coaches you have to face. So, whether it's Frank next year or, or whether it's a new coach, uh, and I'm saying this more for the new coach thing, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge. You know, with the teams and programs you face. Uh, on a nightly basis. And so I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I, you know, and and I hear, you know, there's talk out there, there's rumors, um, you know, Mike Boynton may be the next guy for the job, Carolina alum. He's taken Oklahoma State to the NCAA tournament this year. He has maybe the number one pick in the draft in Cade Cunningham. Uh, Obviously they're, they're winning games and looking good for really the first time in his tenure. Um, I, I look at his overall career there and he's had some you know he's basically had you know they're going to the tournament they're going to big dance this year so last year they were probably nit bound uh and his first year they went to the nit so you know you're looking at postseason three of the four years uh brad underwood i think was a one and done there i'm not quite sure uh by the way brad underwood has illinois uh, right. Uh, <laughs> Brad Underwood has, I mean, you know, you kind of look at these uh, guys that used to coach for Frank Martin and they're all doing pretty well. Uh, Underwood has Illinois slated to be a, uh, a number one seed. Uh, and they should have won the big 10 championship, just to be honest. Uh, now, you know, it, it's taken Brad a little while um, at, uh, at Illinois to get it going. You know, they, they were 14 and 18, 12 and 21, then boom, 21 and 10, they turned it around. Uh, so, yeah, Underwood's only year at Oklahoma State, he was 20 and 13 and went to the first round of the NCAA tournament. And so that was that was only year that Boynton took over and did that. So, so look, I, you know, I, if Mike Boynton's the next coach of South Carolina, obviously it's a historic hire, be the first African-American head men's basketball coach in the history of the program. Um, obviously, 
he knows South Carolina as well as anyone. You know, he played for Eddie Fogler, played for Dave Odom, worked for, I think, Darren, he worked for Darren Horn and then Frank Martin. I mean, he's been through some of the highs and some of the lows. Uh, he's from Brooklyn, New York. Um, you know, 65 and 55. That's not a that, – that's 69 and 56, actually. And, and that's the same record Brad Underwood has at Illinois, by the way. Um, just just for, you know, Underwood's 67 and 55, I think, at Illinois. And I may be, I may be a little off. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Boynton – it was you know spent a long time there. If that's the guy and he wants it, um, you know, I, I, I think again that's a sitting Power Five coach that's they sort of got thrown to the fire in a tough, tough league in the Big Twelve um, with monster, monster programs like Oklahoma and Kansas, and you know what should be a monster program in Texas and Baylor uh, and all those all those teams you got to face. I mean. You know, he would probably be a guy that – and I'll say this. He's a guy that until recently maybe I wasn't as fired up about possibly. But, you know, because Oklahoma State is a good basketball job. But you, know, you start looking at it and, you know, he's he's winning games. Now, Kay Cunningham has a lot to do with it, but Kay Cunningham isn't the only player on the team and you still have to coach. You you guys remember Ben Simmons at LSU, don't you? Uh how many games did they? I mean, what they they were so disappointing. I think they were nineteen and fourteen, but so disappointing they turned down the NIT and fired their coach. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, you, you bring Mike Boynton home. Uh, you know, can he solve some of the in-state recruiting woes? I know that he knows the lay of the land. I mean, his entire career until he went to Stephen F. Austin with Underwood was within the state of South Carolina at Furman Coastal Wofford. So he knows people in the state. So I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, but I think, I think what you'd be getting is a guy that's, you know, uh, you know, you're always worried. And I mentioned this, and this is why I mentioned all the coaches in the league. You're worried. You know, you go out there and get out coached because you, you got an inexperienced guy. Well, this works in this league, but not in this one, that kind of thing. Um, you got a guy that's kind of was thrown in the fire in a very tough league. Um, three postseason appearances in four years if you if you accept that last year and, and it's probably you probably were going to go to the NIT last year they're 18 and 14 um you know that, that's you know 69 and 56 and you know probably going to the big dance this year and, and if they if they advance you know I think I think if the job comes open if Oklahoma State advances you know that's gonna that's gonna kind of make his stock go high I'm not a big believer in you know, one year wonders, but that makes the body of work look even better. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a guy that obviously, you know, the more I talk to people behind the scenes, the more I think that could be the guy that they go after. Um, you know, he doesn't make that mix 1.1 million a year at Okie state. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll give him a raise, but uh, you know, Carolina can obviously counter that and it's home. It's a South Carolina job. Now, I, I don't. If I'm Mike Boynton, do I take it? No. <laughs> uh, alma mater or not, I'm probably you know, like I said, Oklahoma State's a really good basketball job. But then you also have to think about this. You know, Cade Cunningham's not going to be there after this year. He's going to the NBA. Are, are you worried about slipping back and having one good year and 
all that, or you want to go someplace else and start building and, and all that. So that's Mike Boynton. You know, obviously Pat Kelsey from Winthrop's a name that's been coming up lately. I think he does a really good job. You know, Bob Ritchie, I think, is still uh, a guy that they'll at least talk to from Furman. Um, you know, losing in the Southern Conference Tournament consistently is probably not a great sign uh, for him, you know, as far as him getting the job. It would have been better if they would have won it. Uh, you know, then there's other guys out there. There's a ton of play, a ton of guys out there in basketball. I right, talked about basketball enough today. Uh, again, Gamecocks 9:30 Eastern Time, Ole Miss SEC tournament. Uh, you know, I don't have high hopes, but it's always fun. You know, I've watched the Gamecocks over the years in basketball, and they've had some teams that were not quite that good. That you know, won a couple of games in the SEC tournament, shook it up. It makes for fun viewing. So. I'm not pulling for them to lose. Uh, one thing John Whittle did report that I could back up for you is that the decision on Frank Martin is not going to linger. They're not going to let it linger at, like after after the season's complete. It's, you can expect something pretty quick, 24, 48 hours. So you may have an answer about all this by the end of the weekend, um, you know, depending on what happens in Nashville. Football, I uh, wanted to report to you that, you know, there's two guys. You know, you always want your highly rated players to, to be good. Um, and based on some conversations, and these are just conversations about offseason workouts, Cam Smith and Mohamed Kaba uh, are two guys that have caught the coach's eyes in the offseason. I think Kaba's good because at the end of last year, I was told straight up by Kaba, he's got talent, but he's got a ways to go. And uh, I know linebacker is like this big question mark for a lot of you, but four-star guy out of North Carolina, they won a recruiting battle for, uh, always loved him as a prospect. So going into his second year, it looks like he's poised to take a jump. Uh, again, they had to put the pads on. So it looks like that based on off-season workouts. That's all. Cam Smith, uh, same way. And uh, But I think with Cam – you know, obviously a brutal start to the season <laughs> for him in that Tennessee game. But I think with Cam, we sort of started seeing it at the end of last year when he, you know, those other guys quit and opted out and he was out there kind of playing, you know, kind of threw him into the fire, so to speak. Uh, I think that was uh, that was good for him. So that's a little football tidbit to report. I uh, got one mailbag question, uh, actually two. Uh, and you can get to the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. Also follow us on Instagram, Inside the Gamecocks. Uh, and that's for the podcast. You can also follow at the Big Spur 247 for the Big Spur.com and me at JC Sherbert uh, for my takes on things. <laughs> Lots of Twitter accounts. Um, but uh, you can also email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com for the mailbag. First question comes in from Dre. Hey, JC, my apologies if you've already answered this, but I've been slack keeping up on my podcast, but just wanted to know if there's any official word, if they're going to allow fans into the spring game this year. Thanks. There's no official word from Carolina. I expected any day. Clemson did announce they're letting in 18,000, 19,000. It's going to be the same capacity as it was during the season. Um, you know, as far as, Admission. I know Clemson's talking about charging a donation or something, and that the reason they're doing that, I think, ten bucks or so. Uh, number one, I think they could probably use the money. Everybody could, even if it's you know what eighteen thousand times twenty. What's that three thirty 
three hundred sixty thousand or something, or it, it, well, that's twenty. Uh, so like ten dollars, eighteen thousand, that'd be one hundred eighty thousand. Um, still could use that. Uh, so that's number one, and, and you could you know do it as a donation or whatever. Number two, I think they're going to have to have just just in case. And look, the chances of forty thousand people showing up for a spring game at either place, even with Clemson's success, I think is minimal. South Carolina schools traditionally don't pack it out for spring games. Clemson, I think they got 60 for their national championship celebrations, which, you know, they won a national championship, so obviously that's the deal. But, uh, you know, I think in our state, during that time of the year, there's just so much going on. You know, and and college baseball is going on. That's a nice outside thing. And, you know, the beach is opening up and – you got golf and I mean, it's just, it's just tough. And people are like, well, why can they do it at Georgia and Bama? I think number one, larger fan bases, like there's more fans and, you know, number two, I think they, they sort of try to make, you know, the, the, the Georgia's doing it because Bama does it. You know, Tennessee tried to do it because Bama's doing it. So, and I, I don't know, I've, I've never heard of a, a player, you know, making a decision because the spring game was packed. I just, uh, Again, that that's that's way down the list. Now it matters. It's impressive. People talk about it, but you know, so many of the the these spring games are like artificially like, oh well, we've got this five star on campus. Everybody needs to come. It never really makes a difference, to be honest. But uh, uh, but I think though, just in case, you know, forty thousand Gamecocks say, let's go to the spring game this year. Uh, they're going to have to have some kind of ticketing, uh, and it's usually mobile ticketing. You know, like they had during the season and. And so how do you reserve your tickets and, you know, keep people from reserving 25 tickets for free and then not showing up? And then you have fans that can't get in. Um, so, so I think charging is probably the way to go because, you you know, you, you reserve 10 tickets, you spend 100 bucks, you know, with your, your crew. You know, chances are you're not going to just bail on the game the day of it because, you, you know, you want to go – to the beach or play golf or, or have a cookout or day drink or whatever. So, so I, I think that's what they're going to do this year, but there will be fans into the spring game, Dre. And uh, I hope you get to go. I really do. I think, uh, I think it's always the, the spring games where the, it's the first year of a coaching staff are always the most fun. Uh, I was at both Spurriers and Muschamps uh, and they're always fun. So uh We'll uh, we'll kind of see how everything goes. Uh, Noah says, I'm not a big fire Frank Martin guy, going back to basketball. But I feel like he's lost most of the support of the fan base. If he's out, what are the chances? Carolina goes after Mike Boynton. <laughs> and if so, how willing might he be to come out of Columbia? I think it'd be great to have a former player and proven winner that could give some life into the fan base that's in danger of slipping into apathy. Yeah, you know. Uh, the former player route, uh, Carolina's had one guy, George Felton, that was the head coach that was a former player. Bobby Crimmins obviously was the coach for like six days or five days, four days before he went back to Georgia Tech, and he was a former player. But uh, I, I think there's something to be said for that. You look at North Carolina, they obviously, you know, tend to hire guys from the family. I think Duke, when Chesky leaves, will have their pick of guys. Um, successful programs do that. Mike Boynton was part of an NCAA tournament team and, you know, the, the, the back end of the Eddie Fogler era. And he's a player that got better and better. And like I said, he's, he's had a long, most of his career has been within the state of South Carolina, uh, be it at South Carolina or otherwise. So, 
uh, you know, how willing might he be to come back? I don't know. You know, I, I, I keep hearing his name. Uh, I know he loves Carolina. Uh, but Oklahoma State's a much better job than South Carolina. Uh, now, I'll say this. It's in his best interest if the if the talk is out there. And, and the talk, what I'm hearing is kind of through the agent end of things uh, from multiple angles. If you make $1.1 million, and a lot of basketball coaches are at least at two in the in the power conferences. Uh, then I think I'm putting my name out there, you know, just because uh, even if Carolina Carolina's playing Frank Martin three point two five, if even if you pay point two, that's still doubling your salary. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a that's a big deal. Um, and so I, I think you're not going to hear any sort of flat denial or anything. Now, comes down to brass tacks. Oklahoma State doesn't want to lose him. You know, and and the salaries are you know they can get to the salary. Uh, the question becomes: Do you leave Oklahoma State for South Carolina? Uh, and the Gamecocks look; they've had coaches leave better basketball jobs for South Carolina. Uh, Eddie Fogler, uh, Vanderbilt. Although they've, you know, some of you younger folks may not believe me, but when he was there, that was a better basketball job. You know, they were right up there with Kentucky. Um, and I think I think with the right coach, Vandy can be a better basketball. It could be a good basketball job, great even. Uh, right there in Nashville, you don't have to recruit 85 studs like you do in football. Uh, you can recruit five or six and then and, and fill it up. Um, of course, Bryce Drew did that and lost every SEC game, so who knows? Who knows what the, the true situation is there? But, you know, he can't – Dave Odom was kind of at the end – you know, wearing out his welcome a little bit at Wake, but Wake's a better basketball job. They have more success historically than Carolina. Um, you know, uh, Darren Horn obviously did not come from a better – well, you, I mean, some may argue Western Kentucky is a better basketball job than South Carolina, but, I, you know, it is, it, it's solid mid-major. You know, Carolina's obviously the better opportunity. Uh, and he was kind of at the end of his rope up there too. Um, I think he knew he needed to get out while the getting was good. And then Frank Martin came from Kansas state, which is a better basketball job. So uh, there's a history of that happening and keep in mind, Mike McGee almost hired Tubby Smith away from Kentucky and Jim Calhoun away from UConn. Um, so something's intriguing about it. Um, and I think if you're a competitor and you do look and you see the player, I mean, you know, one thing that will help South Carolina try to coach is going to be, Look at the NBA draft a couple of years ago where the top two picks were from the state. Uh, you get one of those guys for a year, you, you've got a good good chance to, to roll. Um, you know, look at Naismith from Vandy. I mean, you know, you, you just go on and on and you're like, well, yeah, they're, they're, you know, you're at the University of South Carolina, so you can get players. But, look, a lot of folks have tried that and come in talk to, talking about that. So, and, and they get shut down. So maybe Mike Boynton's the answer. I don't know. Um, I'll say if, if I had to put odds on it, if if Frank is out, I think Boynton would probably have the best odds. But I don't know. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And, and like I said, he, he his candidacy is growing on me. I don't know that I've ever sat there and thought, well, you know, get rid of Frank Martin and hire Mike Boynton. Uh, and the get rid of Frank Martin part, I'm, I'm sort of uh, neutral about it. I, I, I wish 
I wish a great basketball job would open and hire him just because I, I think that's what he needs, you know, uh, like a play, like a place in the big East where basketball is the sport, um, you know, tiny arena, pack it out, access to talent, in the Northeast you can get, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, and, and I think that would be best for him. Uh, and I think on Carolina's end, you know, sometimes uh, nine years is a long time. And when you don't have consistent success, uh, like people expect, because I do think he's had success, but, you know, basketball is about the postseason. Then, um, you know, maybe it's time to, to, to look at a new direction. Like I said, I'm, like I laid it out, it's scary to think about that because, you have, and again, shout out to VB Cock for pointing this out. In the SEC, you don't have a bunch of guys that came from the mid-major level that are in their current jobs. You have a lot of proven guys that have come in and done a good job. Um, and so, you know, throwing a mid-major coach into that ocean, um, you know, maybe it's Nate Oates and it works. Maybe it's Nate Oates kind of hard. It works out great. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it doesn't, you know. So that's the kind of deal there. But we'll see. Again, I don't expect uh, once Carolina loses in the SEC tournament, uh, I don't expect there to be a big lag of time before people get an answer on all this. And shout out to John Whittle for reporting that. All right. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to add the Big Spur pod for mailbag tomorrow. And this this is going to drop this episode. We're recording it tomorrow afternoon. So it won't drop probably till early evening. Keith Allsep will join uh, the podcast. Keith of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, uh, Cockfather and JC. Uh, we got several requests on social media through email to that they like hearing our voice and what we talk about with the Gamecocks. Um, and so he's going to be on this pod for a week, one week, and then uh, the next week we'll have an episode with me over there. Uh, and uh, probably going to be on Thursday. So check that out. Check it out tomorrow and all that. Thank you for all of your mailbag questions uh, and for subscribing on Apple Pods and rating us five stars. I read another review. Very flattered by the reviews. Keep those coming. That really helps the podcast. This is J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks on March 10th, signing off.